Alrighty, we are back with Goblet of Fire Part 2. That was a chaotic ending to the last episode. I'm, I'm still e upset. I'm not even sure where we are in the movie at this point. Um, and I don't think we even introduced ourselves in the last one, so we're sorry we about that. We did not. I'm America. Hi, I'm James. And we review movies sometimes. On occasion. We live stream at the same time as we record this, so there will be interactions with chat. And that's a much better intro than we did last time. <laughs> yeah, last one's a little fucked. I did, I, that was scuffed. I did that one. Um, uh, I'll tell you exactly where we are in the movie. Okay. I'll tell you exactly where we are. Well, just prior to Harry, um, he tells Cedric about... Uh, the dragon? He, he tells Cedric about the dragon. That's about where we... Because then I was like, Draco's in a tree. Why is he in a tree? Because oh, he's a fucking asshole. Dear God, we've barely gotten anywhere. Oh, I know. I ranted and raved for a whole hour. And you ranted and raved for part of that hour about the most nothing part of the movie. So. Wow. You're really insulting me tonight. What'd I do to you? What do you mean? <laughs> You're like the most nothing part of the movie. Well, yeah, nothing really movie happens for the first, like, 50 minutes. And then we start the cup. That's the whole, the whole thing is the cup. The Goblet of Fire is the whole, who fucking cares about the Quidditch tournament? Anyways. Anyways, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was offending you, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck. I just was wondering if I did something. <laughs> no, I just didn't... All right, so we haven't gotten very far in the movie at all. We, all right. we got next, a little sidetracked. My next note episode. is that Harry did dragon fighting. Pew, pew. You had no notes about Moody turning Draco into a ferret? It's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, let's talk about that briefly, actually, because not only does Moody, who is not Moody, turn Draco into a ferret, <laughs> then he lifts that ferret. And he puts it in Crab's pants. I think, I just love the whole moment of Minerva going, what are you doing? And he's like, teaching. teaching. <laughs> no. Very funny. But also, what the fuck directorial choice was that? Did that happen in the book? Yeah. He put Draco into Crab's pants oh, in I, the book? I don't remember because I haven't read that book since I was Because that's eight. fucking... But I don't remember that Weird? exact thing happened, but I, he did turn him into a ferret. Funny. Moving from funny to weird real fucking fast. Anywho. Yeah, that was weird. That was special. All right. Uh, Dragons. Dragon fighting. Uh, and then Harry and Ron make up, which is terrific. Best friends. Finally. It only took them, like, a full half a movie of being assholes to each other for them to finally realize. It took so much longer in the uh, book. Oh, well, I guess we'll be friends again. Like, it literally was to the point of, like, I am so over this tift between Harry and Ron in the book that it was... And in the same respect, later on, the Hermione and Ron tift. Like, it's just like, oh, fucking stop. Just make up. We know you're gonna make up. You're just all best friends. Just kiss fucking and make end up. it. Like <laughs> Stop being the way you are. Like I said, I, I said it in the last episode. I'm gonna say it again. The fucking, the, it's just every character is the worst possible version of themselves for the whole movie. Also, thanks for the compliment and chat, but we're married. We're very married. Do we look like brother and sister? Yes. Oh. <laughs> 
our kids are going to look like us perfectly then. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, Harry and Ron made up. Uh, yeah, I said Neville is the only good character. <laughs> Neville, Longbottom. That guy's got it, man. Whatever it is, he's got it. And he needs to stay alive for all the rest of the movies. I'm, I'm fairly sure he does. Uh, ba ba uh, oh yeah, there was, a <laughs> there's a scene briefly where we're really just displaying the horny in Goblet of Fire and it's Victor Crumb. He's out by the lake and he's just working out. He's trying to work out. He's out there in a tank top. Just he's, doing, trying to live his life, a, man. He's a big dude. He's got a lot of muscle and he has a full mob of fangirls. Following. following him they are right behind them and this guy like just sort of glances over at hermione and she goes full horny uh but man that i wrote that victor crumb is a true russian in a tank top in the cold uh because it For was real. plainly winter around that time or the beginning trappings of winter uh then I wrote Snape is wonderful, and I don't remember why. I will have you know that I'm now getting text messages. You're getting text from messages from people sending me screenshots of what of different fan fictions that have been written. I don't want to know. Oh my god! The more that I think about these things, the more I will be upset. Stop it. For the love of all that is good in this godforsaken world. Stop it. Anyways, I wrote Snape is Wonderful and I don't know why. And then I wrote, oh geez, the bald denial is tragic. Okay, so somewhere in between... Uh, what, what, uh, what does Snape even fucking do between Victor Crumb's outdoor workout and Harry getting rejected? By Cho Chang. Does Snape do? A, Snape has to do a thing. Is it when he's walking by the uh, clo- the potions closet and Karkarov and Snape are talking, and Snape? I feel like that happened later. I feel like that happened. Oh, way are later. you talking about when they're in the? Oh, study oh, hall? it's the fucking the the <laughs> uh, wonderful the wonderful. He just keeps fucking with Harry and Ron, and then he pulls his sleeves down the minutest amount and he's just like fed up with him being assholes in his class and he pushes her head corporal punishment in school is not allowed it's bad but very funny corporal punishment is bad but funny yeah why wouldn't it be uh oh man and then harry potter's rejection from for the school dance oh you can physically anyone who has been a teenager physically feels that rejection oh so upsetting i've been there sorry but somebody's already asked me (laughs) and is they i mean probably the most well-written scene in the whole movie is in the owl room full of bird poop where <laughs> Harry goes, right, yeah, great, fine. Like, stop speaking. Just take that one on the chin, decompress later. And it's immediately cut to 
him like holding his golden egg, looking off to the sad, all sad and lonely. Just tremendous in every way. Um, loved that. Uh, and then I wrote, Jesus fuck, no one told Harry a damn thing. In all caps. Because at this point in the movie, I stopped taking notes about what was happening and only wrote my reactions down. I, it was when McGonagall was like, oh, Harry, you've got to go in and dance with everyone. Oh, yeah. And she's like, didn't I tell you that? And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, well, now you know. <laughs> like, they, it's so frequent that they don't tell Harry anything that they make a fucking joke about it in the movie. Like, he... I don't know why they picked him. He's not the oldest one in the class. He's not the oldest Gryffindor. He's not a regent or anything to do the dance yeah it's the champions oh all the that's champions right. yeah, go it was start the champions the i that's right it was the champions so the like all the champions have to dance and no one can tells him anything again it's like the fifth time during the movie unreal unreal so the it, like he has to go do this dance with his date, one of these twins whose names escape me. Uh, but they have the worst date of all time. The Patil twins? Yeah. Oh. The Patil twins have the worst date of all time. Because they go with they really Harry do. Potter I feel so bad for Weasley. them. I feel so uh, bad for them. I feel worse for Ron's date because at least Harry danced with his date. True. Briefly. But only when he was told Briefly. to. <laughs> only when he was told to. But she, I mean, I mean, the other one even asked Ron, she's like, are you even going to ask me to dance? And he fucking pissed off the most awful sad boy of all time goes, no. Fuck you, dude. He's so mad about. He's so mad because he's so horny about Hermione being with Mr. Bald Russian Man. Fuck you, dude. What kind of fucking little bitch... Oh, it's so infuriating. They just opt into being the worst. And no one calls them on being the worst in a correct way. Harry calls Ron on being an asshole by being an asshole. And then they fight for the first half of the fucking movie. It's not the right way. And it's so annoying. But it is a very teenage way of handling all these problems. Teenagers are the worst! Agreed. I'm so old. Fuck. Oh, God. I just felt myself age up to 40. Because that's how I'm going to be when I have a teenager. And, uh... I hate teenagers. I'm going to be 40 years old. And just be like, ugh. There will come a day where I will look at my child, my teenage child. I will look at them in the eyes and I will go, you will understand in about 10 years. But right now, you're the worst. You are the worst particular version of yourself. It's only uphill from here. (laughs) Teenagers are so bad. Mm -hmm. I hate them. Hate them. It's not true. I love everybody. Uh, yeah, Ron's so horny and can't figure out how to deal with it. And now, the piece de resistance. The horniest character in all of Harry Potter. 
the giggliest 45-year-old. Moaning Myrtle. That whole scene is perfect. In Cedric Diggory's efforts to help Harry. To return the favor. As Harry... Sorry, my dog dog. has an ear infection and scratched his ear. Like a dumbass. And whimpered. Yeah, idiot. Anyways, Harry tells Cedric about the dragons prior to the dragon competition. So Cedric, in turn, months later, tells Harry about the golden egg and how to understand the clue. Right? Two days! Two days prior. Before the freaking competition. competition. A little late, I'll admit. Mm. But at least he went and told him. So, the hint is, you gotta open the egg underwater so that you don't die of the screams. So, Harry goes exactly to where Cedric says he should go. And that is to the bathroom, whatever floor, the prefect's prefect's bathroom. Not the regent's bathroom. Go to the prefect's bathroom and take a bath, basically, is what he tells him. So More Harry, things over in the hot water. So Harry goes and does that. That's the bathroom where Moaning Myrtle hangs out. One of them. I think she just hangs out in all the bathrooms. Well, she just pops up out of the toilet. Yeah, but the other one she hangs out, remember? And so Harry is... takes okay, great just care. Just cut off. Cut me I, off. Proceed. She hangs out in the girls' bathroom, remember? That's where they brewed the polyjuice potion. That's where she died. Chamber of Secrets bathroom. Stop itching your tattoo. It's so itchy. So, she just pops out of a toilet and has the hardest of all lady boners for our dear young Harry Potter. And that would be fine if I didn't know prior that the actress who plays Moaning Myrtle was like 40 fucking years old at the time of filming. And once again, I am upset. However, it was so good. Oh, that scene was so funny. Oh, it's just so funny, front to back. She is just... Because she dies as a teenager, right? So, in the throes of her puberty, years ago, she dies and haunts the fucking bathrooms of Hogwarts. And so, of course, naturally, she would also be as horny as the rest of the class, right? And she just keeps fucking trying to get a look at the nakedest of Harry Potters. And Harry is doing an excellent job sculpting the bubbles. But then, like, what are you going to do? She's a fucking ghost. She goes into the tub, like, well, shame is gone. I think one of my favorite moments in that whole scene is when she fakes to co- fakes coughing up water <laughs> with Harry. She comes up out of the water and Harry's like, <laughs> she's like, pet, 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 pet. <laughs> it was just so. There's like, in terms of the director and the choices that he made in the movie, I think he probably would have done. I mean, there's not a lot that he could really have done with the source material because they had to try to stay true to the source material. And the source material is that of some horny fucking teenagers. But I think he would have done better to look for a more John Hughes-esque style for this movie. Um, 
in 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 like a breakfast club type of way uh because seven candles or what have you because those are like romantic comedy types about high schoolers and you can really play into horny high schoolers in a much funnier way than was portrayed in this movie and well, of course no it wouldn't have played well with the whole theme of harry potter but this director in particular felt like anytime he approached a comedy scene it was nailed entirely anytime he didn't approach a comedy scene it was always terrible to watch and i just uh oh america just stood up because something that happened in chat chat said six is the worst movie movie six is my favorite movie you can fucking go to hell wow wow six is my favorite everyone in chat's favorite is this movie you're all wrong why for all the reasons that we have listed prior to this moment i want to make it clear that every harry potter movie is so bad no <laughs> you're they're, even more they're wrong all fucking bad you're even more wrong the stories are bad the series is bad i love the sixth one because i love love and i love the half-blood prince storyline and i love so much six has my most uh and roast me in chat because i can hear the book nerds crying from the heavens <laughs> Six is my most dog-eared book because I dog-ear all my favorite parts in the all my fa- all the books I read so that I can go back and look at them. And this one has the most dog-eared ones, and I just I love the sixth one. And but that's what the book was about too. There was so much freaking romance in that book. Ninety percent of it was about the couples. Jesus Christ! Like the subplot was the Half Blood Prince. Anyways, the movie is not just. We're not talking about the Half Blood Prince. Yeah, we're not. The best part of Six was when Harry killed Malfoy. <laughs> no, I know that's a lie. <laughs> Anyways, Goblet anyway. of Fire. Sorry, of I'm fire. back. Where? What are we talking about? Uh, we, horny teenagers. We were talking about Moaning Myrtle. Um, I, my note there was that Moaning Myrtle is hornier than all of everyone combined. She is though. Uh, it was just so funny. And I feel like, the yeah, the director just crushes all the scenes that are supposed to be funny. The comedic scenes are and really good in this movie. The Everything else is just, it feels poorly executed and mm-hmm. slapped together. Which is, that's a problem for the director and the screenwriter. Like, that, you as an actor can only do so much to make your scene as good as it possibly can be. You can only put on the best performance that you can. If everyone else fucking drops the ball on making this thing make sense, it's not your fucking problem. It's not Daniel Radcliffe's problem that he stars as one of the most famous people of all time in the worst movie series ever. It's not his problem. That's not true. The Percy Jackson movie's pretty fucking bad. I was about to say, I can think of a lot of worse movie series. There's a lot of bad movie series. I just don't like this one. Divergent. The first one was fine. First one did really good. Everything. All of those other ones. Literally can just burn. Uh, they weren't good. So, yeah. I don't know. I didn't... I'll, I'll get to like a full overarching thing at the end. But, man. So, we move on. And 
they set up Longbottom to give Harry, what is it, Gillyweed? Yes. Gillyweed for the underwater challenge. The the tournament, next thing is, all of you have had something stolen from you. Uh, you have to go get it back. In an hour. In an hour. It's in the lake somewhere. Good luck. Go. Right? So all the other wizards uh, from the other schools, as well as Cedric, you they do a bubble mask thing, uh, some sort of spell. Uh, and Well, Crumb transfigures his head into a shark. Oh, yes, that's right. Crumb does a shark. Uh, but Cedric and the girl whose name escapes me both do... Floor. Uh, they do the bubble masks. Uh, and Florin has the worst tournament all, of all time. She really sucks. She is not very good. She gets got by the octopus people. She gets got... Uh, she doesn't get got by the dragon, so at least she did that. Uh, man, she just has a bad time. She doesn't even make it to whatever. She's, quote, labeled too injured to continue. Uh, so she got messed up, right? So... Harry noms down this gillyweed, goes in the water, his fingers grow webbing, his feet turn into fins, and he grows gills. And, decides and in another moment of nobody tells Harry anything... Nobody told him what was going to happen when he ate it. Yeah. Or that he even had to eat it. Moody had to tell him to put it in his mouth. Yeah, he was just like, he just had it in his hands. Like, I guess I'll wing it and figure out what this does. No. Not even Longbottom, the most knowledgeable herbologist there, told him that he had to eat it to get the desired effect. I don't, I, I, I don't know who did this to J.K. Rowling, but why does no one tell her protagonists anything? I again think it... But I can't even make that defense anymore. I was going to say, I feel like, again, it's so that the reader discovers things right outside along Harry, but you could do that with by telling Harry things. I don't know. I literally have no explanation. I wish they told Harry shit. It, so many problems could have been avoided if people just said things at to Harry. If it happened once or twice, it would just, I would just look at it as be like, oh, that's just a mistake. That, that happens when people write stories that are long and intricate and have lots of characters in them. But it happens... Many times in every movie and in every book. no, It's like a theme that no one will tell Harry anything. It is a theme. But that's like, it's like a written theme because Dumbledore and blah, 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 like I said earlier in the previous episode. But that, it feels so bad. Like, it just, it, it it's one of the reasons that I strongly dislike this series that I didn't realize was going to be a thing until I started watching the movies that they could be so good. You could do a lot of clever things with dialogue. If you just explain stuff, you don't have to change any of your action sequences. You don't have to change any of it. You don't have to make anything more hard or less hard for Harry to do. Just have people explain shit. Everyone already knows all the things that Harry learns. It's all already understood knowledge to every other character. But when Harry has to do something, everyone forgets to tell him. 
or just doesn't. And you can say, and she can say, that it's all because Dumbledore has his hands in all the pies and he's puppet mastering so that everything happens the way he wants. And if that's the truth... I don't think it's the truth over everything. I do think it's a lot of the truth for, like, the Voldemort stuff and, like, those sorts of things. But, like, I don't think Dumbledore was like, hey, Neville, don't tell Harry what the gillyweed does. Yeah. Or he doesn't go to McGonagall and go, don't tell Harry that he has to dance at the Yule Ball. I don't think he does that. But I do think there's a lot of instances where he's like, we can't tell Harry yet. But, I mean, and that's, you know, there's certain reasons why that would be fine, right? Like, you can use that of Dumbledore saying, okay, we can't tell Harry this because of this. But establish that, right? Make that a known quantity so that your audience isn't sitting here going, why the fuck won't anyone say a goddamn thing to the protagonist? Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's infuriating. In no other movie or book or medium of art do people just blatantly let the protagonist out to dry always. He is always left to his own devices. The reason his whole M.O. is winging it is because no one fucking explains anything. He wouldn't have to wing it if people explained things. It's already established way back in the beginning that he's going to be one of the most powerful wizards ever. So why would you not explain to him the way to get there faster? Trial by fire doesn't make a better person. Trial by fire doesn't make a stronger wizard. That's dumb. That's foolish. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger? That's poor writing. I got nothing. I really I really wish I had a defense for it. I love the series, I do. But 90% of the series is people just not telling Harry anything. If it was only restricted to leaving stuff out about Voldemort and Harry's past because if it's revealed, things could go the wrong way. If that was it, that's a fine angle to take. But it goes beyond that into little things that don't matter. Like, hey, you need to eat the gillyweed. Hey, you need to run at the wall because it's where the train station's hidden. Hey, when you touch the boot, we're going to teleport to a place. Those things are the type of things that carry this trope of not telling the protagonist anything on into an unacceptable level. It's the little shit that really will grind the gears of an audience member. Specifically one who didn't read the books when they were younger. I never read the books. And when I try to read the books, I hate it. Because it was written for children, and I'm 25. If I read them as a kid, I might have less problems with it now. But it still sucks that it was written... It's almost like it was written intentionally badly. Because it's pointed that no one does it. It's not like surgical. It's like getting hit with a truck. Always no one says anything. Non-stop no one says anything. And the one fucking know-it-all also doesn't say anything. And acts like an asshole when Harry doesn't know shit. To Hermione's shock, she might realize she's the only wizard who ever studied this shit religiously. 
No one's ever been as studious as Hermione Granger. Truth. So why would she assume the orphan who never learned about wizard shit ever until he was 11 would know a goddamn thing? She spends the first two movies being shocked that Harry doesn't know anything, but also not helping Harry know anything. She makes the polyjuice poster. She doesn't help him make it. She makes it. She masterminds a bunch of plans for them. She doesn't explain it. She just does it. She doesn't explain fuck all about the time turner. This It's just a series of treat your protagonists like shit. And then they turn into the hero because they have a hero complex, they're a Gryffindor, and no one told them anything? That's not a recipe for success. Not story-wise, anyways. It made a gajillion dollars. And that is success. Maybe it's because the readers and viewers relate to not being told anything or explained anything. Maybe. I, ooh, I came up with a reason. Okay, what? The thing about Harry, and the thing that develops more as he gets older, is that he's constantly, and always has been, an outcast. Okay. And in order to keep that trope alive, or keep Harry the outcast, and keep him relatable, because... That was the big thing, is a lot of people that became Harry Potter hardcore fans were outcasts. We related to Harry. Yeah, well, you still are if you keep writing those fucking ships. <laughs> we related to Harry because we didn't feel accepted or welcomed into the world. In fact, it, most times it felt like people were sharing secrets that we just didn't get to know about. And so I think in order to keep Harry relatable, he has to remain an outcast and the number one way to make someone an outcast is to withhold knowledge that would make them accepted from them um so do i think it's a good thing for a protagonist no do i think that it helps keep harry relatable yes because for no matter how harry tries no matter how hard he pushes to be accepted he's still always out of the loop in some way whether that be by base knowledge, whether that be because everyone feels like Cedric Diggory was the true Hogwarts champion, whether it be his friend rejecting him because he's jealous of Harry, how much money Harry has, anything. But in order to keep Harry relatable to who the audience, to the audience he was written for, which is the outcast, which is the people on the outside he has to have some disadvantages. If if you make him too good, he's not relatable. So if we keep him at a disadvantage, if we keep him with a handicap, he stays relatable. If you make him have all this knowledge and make him have all these abilities and people, like, he just knows what to do all the time, he's no longer relatable as a character. I think struggling and figuring shit out and figuring out how to be no longer an outcast is what makes him 
so good. But if he loses that, then he loses his relatability, if that makes any sense. Well, now that brings an interesting thought to it, doesn't it? Because what you say is true, but you also have to turn into a world of the suspension of disbelief because Harry Potter is, in fact, the most famous person in the wizarding world. Even, even Voldemort says it in this movie. You're almost as famous as I am now. Which is so interesting because if you were to take an extremely famous person, there would definitely be, in a real world scenario, someone there to explain to them things they need to know. Now, there is a world where celebrities do feel as as though they are outcasts because it's an isolated world to be in. You can't just do normal shit anymore because you're famous. So if they wanted to not do suspension of disbelief when J.K. Rowling wrote it, she would have had to look for that angle, I think, of you can't have a normal experience like everyone else does because you're famous and that's where you get your isolation. But the other option is to do this, where you do what you said, where you withhold all the information, and you make him feel nonstop outcast. Which makes sense. I propose a different take. Interesting. What if you're your average student at Hogwarts, you're Neville, you're not Hermione or Ron. I can't really make explanations for this. And Hermione does explain things, maybe not in the most nicest of ways or well-timed but she does explain things to harry um, while they're happening but what you're the average student at hogwarts harry's famous harry's done all these amazing things wouldn't you just assume well, what, what a, if, if you're learning about harry potter he's not been to hogwarts yet and you just know that he's famous the only thing he is famous for is not dying when hit with the death curse. But nobody really knows that he didn't know. Even Hagrid thought that the Dursleys would tell him. So, like, nobody really knows that he's just essentially an idiot when it comes to the Wizarding World. Mm -hmm. They learn that. Who told Dumbledore that it would be insane to do that, to leave him with the Dursleys? Minerva McGonagall. McGonagall. So the only person who could possibly truly understand what he's going through but as McGonagall. even then, nobody knew what he was going through for those first 11 years. They just knew that he was safe. Like, he's in this location. We've got tabs on him somewhat. But they didn't know what was going on inside the house. They didn't know that the Dursleys just wouldn't tell him who he was, who his parents were. And, like, Her Dumbledore even wrote that letter. You never get to read it in the movies. But he not. wrote the letter explaining everything that happened to the Dursleys and what to tell Harry when he grew up. And no one knew where Harry was raised. It was kept a well-guarded secret. He just, they knew he defeated Voldemort. I was just responding, kind of including what chat said. So, like, just about as much as Harry doesn't know about anything, people don't know about Harry Potter. All they know is he survived the killing curse, and that's about it. Even Hagrid's like, well, didn't you wonder where your mom and dad learned it from? And Harry's like, learned what? Like, Hagrid just assumed he knew. And so I think a lot of people operate under the assumptions that Harry is this super powerful wizard and he's done amazing things. Even Neville, 
without ever sitting there and knowing all the facts of like, oh, he doesn't actually know what gillyweed is. Well, of course you could use gillyweed to breathe underwater, you idiot. Well, I mean, he knew that it was going to help him breathe, but, like, I don't think Neville, like, went through the steps of going, okay, you're going to put it in your mouth, the gills, like, I think he was just like, here, you can use this plant, and just assumed that Harry would put all those pieces together because he's a brilliant wizard. So... And there is a fact of that, like, you go into the psychology of he's an abused child, so he doesn't go to authority for answers. There's a lot that goes into Harry's psyche that we're not necessarily considering here. And I do think Harry doesn't ask questions. I think he's stubborn. I don't think he, like, asks people to tell him things either. I don't think he, he does have a pride complex and doesn't want to admit when he doesn't know things. I think, for me... One of the reasons that this movie is so... These movies are so frustrating to watch is because it was written and it was made for the Misfit Toys. What? Oh. It's it's not written for your societal, popular people who feel well-connected and well-adjusted. It's not written for that crowd. And for the majority of my growing up life, I was in that crowd. I didn't grow up... I grew up sheltered as fuck. But I didn't grow up feeling as though I was ever isolated or an outcast, which is kind of crazy considering I was homeschooled and definitely an outcast. Uh... In fact, one could argue that I was unaware I was a social pariah amongst my friends uh, because they almost assuredly made fun of me for being homeschooled. Um, but it, in from my eyes, I never experienced anything like that. So to go through and watch something for someone else, of course I don't relate to it. The closest relatable thing that I have to the protagonist of Harry Potter is that we both share a superhero complex. Uh, yes. That's it. I don't have any other relatability to Harry Potter or to any other character in Harry Potter. I'm sometimes funny like Ron and I have a superhero complex like Harry. Every other, and that's why I sit here and I go, every character in these movies is the worst. And it's because they're coming from, or they're coming into a story where all the knives are pointed at the protagonist. From his friends and the enemies, all the knives are pointed at him. It's a dangerous and scared place to be, and I've never been there. I know. So, of course, I don't relate to any of this. Of course I don't like this or want to watch this. Why would I? I've spent my whole life trying, because of superhero complex, to help people out of those holes. Because I can see it. I've seen these poor people exist. And it's awful to feel well-adjusted and to understand that there are things happening in the world that are not that. 
so to to I don't want to say to justify my negative opinion of it, but honestly, to justify my negative opinion of it, it's not for me. None of this book series or movie series is for me, and it should be very well understood that I don't like it because it's all of it's bad to someone like me from a perspective of trying to help people like that seeing people who are supposed to be in positions to help people like that teachers people who understand the world friends somewhat well-adjusted people in that world they do nothing and that that's is... frustrating yeah it's that's... disgusting to watch and it's actually highly accurate as, of course I don't fucking like these movies. As someone who has lived an outcast life for a very long time. Um, teachers, not helpful. I mentioned in the last episode, <laughs> teachers and school systems when it comes to stopping bullying are pretty much useless unless someone that one is I did getting know about. hurt. That one I did know about. Because briefly I like, did attend a real hurt. school. And teachers are fucking worthless um (laughs) they're kind of of the worst friends especially at this age with tumultuous hormones and not great communication skills yet can turn on you in a second you can go from having all the friends in the world to literally everyone hating you in the course of like a month that happened to me but that happened well after all of these hormones were supposed to deeply and uprooted everyone um what was the other one you said oh people who know things people well, just people who are like well adjusted and like, like there there isn't a character in harry potter that represents someone like me like i said oh maybe actually you know what there is you know who it is it's cedric fucking diggory and that motherfucker died like i uh was he tried to help Harry in a way that did help Harry. He explained something to Harry in a way that helped Harry. Like I was saying before, knowledge is power in a lot of the world, and so you can hold a certain power over someone if you have knowledge that they don't. If you share that knowledge, that power goes away. So there's a lot of reasons, I think, that we can that we have now talked through and worked out here that can explain why things are the way they are to Harry. Um, and why the character is written the way it is. Um, and you're right, it might not be written for people like you, but it was written for a vast majority of the people who have and maybe still are outcasts and that's why we cling so desperately to the series is because it takes all the outcasts and unites us into the biggest cult you've ever seen (laughs) and unites us and gives us something that we can share together and gives us somewhere we don't feel alone anymore ah but you see what happened here is all of the outcasts and there are a lot of them 
all of the outcasts got together and formed their very own Harry Potter club. And then they looked at kids like me who weren't allowed to watch it when we were kids. And they're like, you don't watch it or read it or know about it? Fuck you! I don't think all of us are like that. No, but the ones who are are the ones who ship pedophilia. And fuck those guys. I don't know if that's a direct correlation. No, it's not. That was just a joke. Don't read, <laughs> don't read into that. Don't read into that. Don't read into that. All right. Let's Back end. to the movie. Yeah, movie. We've really now that we gone really, off on tangents about we, this. <laughs> we dipped into the psychology of Harry Potter hard. I think this has been the most uh, tangent-based movie that we've reviewed so far. I mean, I don't have very many notes left anymore. Uh, I mean, my next note is that Harry's not smart, but he's got moral fiber, I guess. And it's not... <laughs> That's my favorite part of the movie is when everyone's Everyone like, congratulated. Everyone just calls him moral fiber. <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, that moral fiber really got you those extra points there, didn't it? <laughs> like... in, a, in a world where that Dumbledore operates, there really are no rules. It's all, I was thinking that earlier when you were talking about the Dumbledore and his plan, and I was just like, in my head, I was like, it's all Dumbledore's world. We're all just kind of living in it. Yeah, we all just exist in it. <laughs> like... Um, I, my next note is that making Moody put the cup in the maze is cruel. Uh, which, as a spoiler, it's not. But also, if it was the real Moody, who was missing his leg, and was in pain to walk. Yes, it's fucked up that he would have to go into the maze and put the cup down. Probably could have just... Would he have apparated? He can't apparate inside the grounds of Hogwarts, but you probably levitated over there. Did the grounds of Hogwarts include the magical maze that appeared somewhere? Yeah. The grounds of Hogwarts are pretty big, if you remember where the Dementors were standing in the last one. Right, well, they, were, they were, like, at the lake. They occupy a large space of land. Um... The next thing I noticed in the movie was that Victor Crumb's eyes were weird. And I think unless you remember Moody explaining the curses, you would never pick up that Victor Crumb was being cursed and forced to do as someone bid, right? Because it's not established by any other scene that the eyes being like that indicates a curse it's not something you need to do necessarily to make a cohesive story but if you have audience that's adhd like me uh we don't fucking remember anything and if you don't remember the curses and you just see victor crumb with fucked up eyes running around the maze not killing harry but definitely going after the other wizards it's like I don't know what the fuck's going on here. And then you get to the end of the movie and it's all explained in a burst of plot. But I don't know. I would have liked to have had a somewhat establishment that when you're under the curse, your eyes go funny. Um, I wrote truly unfortunate how fast Cedric died. Uh, Cause he also probably has a hero complex. I think he just has an ego. Cedric? Yeah, Cedric kind of, and it's established in the book, too, that Cedric knows that he's, like, pretty skilled as a wizard. I mean, he's also, how much older than Harry? Three years? Three years. Three years. So he's, he's 18. A full, he's he, about he's to graduate. He's 17. Oh. A full-aged wizard in Harry Potter in the Harry Potter universe is 17. Okay. Um. So I mean, 
that's but that's like an understandable amount of ego. You've been through the school system. He's a senior. Like he's like yeah, he's a senior. Every fucking senior has an ego. <laughs> yeah, we do. A fucking yeah. I was. That's an entirely justifiable ego. Yeah. But also, he got fucking murked instantly. <laughs> he had no chance, and it wasn't Voldemort who killed him. Voldemort just said to kill him. It was definitely fucking Little Peter bitch Pettigrew. Bitch-ass Peter Pettigrew. I hate him so much. Hit him with a quick Avada Kedavra. I hate him so much. Uh, uh, my last two notes are they gotta stop having this tournament and this movie is upsetting. Um, so we kind of... The movie ends with Moody running out of Polyjuice Potion and it's revealed that he is Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> what if that was true <laughs> crossover of oh, all crossovers a real fucked up version of Doctor Who Doctor Who is like the penultimate good guy obsessed with doing right always anyways sorry anyways um, yeah it just it sort of ends in a, on a weird note I think that was and an artistic choice to make you feel a little it, it definitely jarred. ends feeling not resolved because it's not and and it's definitely not supposed to be like it's a feeling that i absolutely feel we should have um and this honestly that's a praise to the movie rather than a complaint um but i kind of want to talk just for like the last 10 minutes of the episode about how i like really feel about the movie because it this is a conflicting one for me. I think for me too, but I think we have very wildly different reasons. I mean, you or, really just hate their hair. I do hate their hair, but I also <laughs> think, like, I love the movie because I, it's a Harry Potter movie. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 good. Um, But I also dislike it for a lot of reasons. Like I said, I think it's the worst. In my opinion, everyone's going to yell at me and chat again. I think it's the worst adaptation from book to movie in the series. Mm-hmm. I think the choices to cut out some things and focus on other things and like spend more time in these areas and not other areas, I think it was weird, um, the choices that were made. I think you miss a lot in this movie in particular because I think... Like I explained in the previous episode, I think there were too many plot lines, and I think they just bit off more than they could chew in this particular one. I think it, they needed to take more time with it and really figure out how to tell this story cohesively, because there is a lot. There's a lot of juggling plot lines. Um, I don't think it's as rushed as the end of Game of Thrones. I don't think by <laughs> nearly any means anything could ever be rushed as badly as the end of Game of Thrones. Except maybe The Last Airbender, that was pretty rushed. Oh, uh, yeah, that was weird. Uh, but we should we should do that movie. I put it on the serious. I put it on the vote this time, but they voted Order of Phoenix. I will keep putting it on the vote because that's right. that's a time for me. Um this bitch for two hours about that movie. So I think that I have I do t- I also have mixed feelings. I think it did a lot well. And I think it did, there was just a lot of missed opportunities with this one. And I think there was just a lot. And a new director coming in on one of the most difficult plotline movies was probably hard. 
we also lost Chris Columbus as a producer, if you noticed, when it was doing the credits. I did not notice. We uh, lost the person that had been there since the beginning. As far as the credits, I don't know if he was, like, in the background, but he wasn't involved in this one, to my knowledge. Which you can tell is stylistically and everything. And I do think that this movie was pretty badly received by the fandom, because they do a full 180 swing back into formation uh in the next movie like people get haircuts the it's back to like the how hogwarts should look like everything's back to normal quote unquote for harry potter um but i do feel like in general the tri the triwizard plot line and the whole triwizard cup was such a jarring thing in the books as well as the movies that i think it was really hard for them to get a handle on how to interpret it properly your turn your mixed feelings i it's kind of similar to what you're saying there's a lot i think that they did well um i agree that there's too much going on um i think their directorial choice to go with whoever that guy is uh was just a hard mistake I don't think he's, he doesn't have, I've looked through his IMDb credits while we've been doing this podcast. He does not have the acumen or the resume to tackle a story that has that much going on. It just isn't in his repertoire. From what I've seen, I heard every pop from your neck just now, and it was a little gross. There were like six. I know that I've was horrifying. That many before. Horrifying what I heard that no one else did. Um, and it's funny. I looked while you were talking about they lost Chris Columbus and the director was doing this and this. I looked because I was like, who is? I thought to myself, who's a good director that's done really intricate interweaving plots before? Peter Jackson. Christopher Nolan. Yes. But guess what Christopher Nolan was doing in 2005? Dark Knight. Batman Begins. He was not doing Dark Knight. Well, I meant that. Yeah, he was doing that trilogy. He was starting that trilogy. He was starting the Batman trilogy. Um, and he, I don't think he would have been a great choice for it either, coming into a very different universe than anything he's ever dealt with. Plus, he's not British. And he's not English. So I, in terms of English directors, yeah, maybe Peter Jackson. But what the fuck was he doing in 2005? Wasn't Lord of the Rings still happening? Um, it might have been. Let's find out real quick. Um, I just, I don't like how rushed and slapped together everything is. Also, Peter Jackson's from New Zealand, not England. Uh, which explains why he just nailed Lord of the Rings. That makes a lot more sense. I didn't know that <laughs> and I learned a thing tonight. No wonder um, everything takes place in fucking New Zealand. Um, oh, he was probably uh, no, because Return of the King is the third one, and that was two thousand three. Uh, fuck, was he doing in the third? One? Oh, he was doing rolling in his money from the trilogy. He was doing King Kong oh, in two thousand five. Um, that's a well received movie. No, just right. anyways. Um, Sorry, we're back. Uh, I I couldn't tell you what director would have been better. But I know there were things that this director did well, and there were things that this director did poorly, and the number of things that the direction felt poor on vastly outnumbered the direct the 
good things for me. Uh, that's just as a moviegoer uh, and someone who's written shit like this before and tried to produce shit like this before. It's my education is based in this, in doing film, and to see what is very clearly a lot of very interweaving plot lines that I have not previously read come together so shittily it just tells me they did a bad job and there's not like there's just not much you can do about it uh, they were almost definitely on a timetable from the production company warner brothers probably had them on a short leash uh, on how quickly to get this shit done they took a larger gap between this one the largest gap in the series between this one and the fifth one too so i think there was a lot of a typical movie will take two to three months to shoot and then an extra week or two post that to do reshoots for things that they need um i feel as though this movie could have either been two movies or a three and a half hour movie which would have been unheard of in 2005 and lord of the rings Three and a half is still really pushing it. Uh, they just didn't. I mean, even the extended cut of this movie is only two forty-five, and it really does feel like they could have used four to five months to film it, and an extra hour of screen time would have done wonders to get into what I'm being told is the nitty gritty of the story, and that. It just feels like a tremendous waste because you have a cast of insane talent that people have recognized as being insane talent, and you've got a very story-rich world. Yes. The first Lord of the Rings movie was three hours. Okay. Three and a half, still pushing it. I'm still right. Especially since... The second movie that came out before Harry Potter was three and a half hours. Return of the King was three and a half hours. Return of the King was three and a half. Yeah. And just Jesus. while we're here, or I think that was the third one. The Hobbit movies are long as fuck. So long. For a smaller book. They're so long. For a smaller book than any of the Harry Potters. Can we talk about that? The Hobbit's a long book. It's not that long. Lots of stuff happens in it. Um, All Hobbit movies, were, or all Lord of the Rings movies were at a minimal of three hours. Man, Peter Jackson probably would have done well. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this movie to me feels like a tremendous waste of talent on a story that could have been told better. And out of 10, I'm going to give it three and a half. <coughs> they, they, it's a five for me. They had some killer special effects. They had a tremendous talented cast uh who played into their characters as best they possibly could and the movie just sucks there's okay. no getting around it it just sucks perspective okay just because we mentioned it briefly and i'm an i'm actually kind of person um actually the oh, hobbit just go fuck yourself the hobbit had 310 pages that's it okay they made a three-part movie series on 310 pages Goblet of Fire alone had 636 pages. Alright, so you make two movies. As long as the average movie script. 
so lot lot happened screenplay anywhere from 90 to 120 so actually right within the average you could make three movies out of the hobbit maybe should have made six movies out of goblet of fire the second can you imagine six movies out of this fucking thing? At that point, just turn it into two TV series. <laughs> that, that's, we will probably that's get too many. <laughs> in our lifetime, we will probably get a Harry Potter TV series. That'll just And if that. we if we watch it, it'll be better. I don't know if I'm ready for that emotionally yet. Um I'll watch it. <laughs> the next movie in the Harry Potter series that we will watch Order uh, Order of the Phoenix, right? Is the longest book in the series. How many pages? Seven hundred so? 766 in the UK version and 870 pages in the US version. They need more words to explain shit yes. to the Americans. Also, I sat there for the whole Quidditch World Cup and asked where the fuck are the Americans? We're there. We were mentioned in the books about and I, how annoying we were. I made a joke when shit started exploding that, oh, there are the Americans. But then they showed up wearing pointy hats and I was like, oh, never mind. Not the Americans. Or is it? <laughs> or is it? Let's see what I can find about... Uh, Harry makes a quote about, about... Also, look at my sad Goblet of Fire book. That is a large book. Um, Harry makes a quote about the... Uh, Man, we really dunked on this movie. That's the other thing, is you don't find out about Weasley Wizard Wheezes and Fred and George trying to start their business. Until... Um, in this things. book... You're, you're supposed to find out about it in this book, and that's why Harry gives them all their money. Mm-hmm. Um, or all his money for them to make their shot. They also did not explain how much money you get for winning the Triwizard Tournament. A lot of money. Um, Anyways, that's going to wrap us for this... Uh, that's going to wrap us for this episode of City Wave Cinema. Thank you, everyone in podcast land, for downloading and listening to our episodes. Uh, we will be back, oh, whenever these get posted. The uh, one after, every other week. Yeah, after this will be well, actually, Order the, of the Phoenix. We're posting an episode a week. But, yeah, but recording, if you want to join us yeah. live for the recording, it's every other Saturday. Yep, so we've got... Order of the Phoenix coming next week, and uh, I'm sure we'll have Not bad things week, for that week. as well. Did I just get my tattoo color recently? Uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, so thank you, everyone. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.